This is Mesa Verde Voices, a podcast connecting modern people to the people who lived around Mesa Verde hundreds of years ago. And I'm your host, Kayla Woodward. In this season, we're talking about some of the most commonly asked questions that people have when visiting Mesa Verde National Park. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about something that's just as iconic in the Southwest as the cliff dwellings themselves. And that is rock art. To me, rock art is a form of expression um, that is not just by the ancient ones of Mesa Verde, but all cultures and all aspects around the world. This is TJ. You may remember her voice from previous episodes this season. My name is Thelma Jean Atsi. I go by TJ Atsi, and I'm a former park ranger at Mesa Verde National Park. I am a descendant from the ancient people who used to live there. I am Laguna Pueblo, and I currently live here in Mancus, Colorado. Rock art by definition is a human-made marking on a natural surface, usually on a stone surface. And rock art has been found across the world, dating back thousands of years. Most of the best preserved examples of rock art are found in caves or other enclosed or sheltered spaces, that protect the work from water or from plants or lichen growing over top of them. It's a variety of design and figures, and the ancient people inscribed them or painted them on cliff faces, boulders, and stone masonry throughout the park. In archaeology, there are two basic types of rock art. These are petroglyphs and pictographs. Petroglyphs are designs that have been carved into the surface of a rock revealing the lighter-colored rock underneath. These designs can vary in shape, size, and depth, and can be pecked, carved, incised, scratched, or abraded onto their canvases. Now, let's talk geology for a minute here. You may have noticed that sometimes certain cliff faces or rocks in the southwest have interesting colored streaks, or perhaps the entire surface is a color you might not expect. This is due to what's called desert varnish, or rock varnish, and it's a thin coating of clay particles that are deposited on the surface of rocks in desert environments. These clay particles are attached to rock surfaces by bacteria and can sometimes have a dark color, which is caused by the element manganese, or they can appear red, which is caused by the presence of iron. When a petroglyph is made on a surface of rock covered in desert varnish, these clay particles, minerals, and bacteria are being scraped away to reveal the true surface of the rock underneath. Over time, this exposed area will gradually become covered in desert varnish, once again making the petroglyphs more difficult to distinguish from the surface around it. Now all this seems like quite a bit of work to create these pieces of art. How was it done? In general, archaeologists theorize that stone tools such as hammers, or perhaps a stone version of a chisel and hammer, could have been used. Now, if petroglyphs are made by carving into the surface of a rock, pictographs are kind of their opposite. These are made by painting onto the rock surface. The paints used to create pictographs were made from various minerals and plants found on the landscape. The same plants and minerals that were also used to create dyes and paints for textiles and pottery designs. The ancestral Pueblo people used tools such as sticks, 
brushes, or even fingers and hands to paint their designs onto their stone canvases. Because these paints are much more sensitive to the elements, pictographs are often only found in very well-protected spaces. So, what do these symbols and images mean? What might they have been used to communicate? They, you know, can vary from person to person, and they can vary from clan to clan and village to village. And it just depends on who's doing the rock art um, and how they are putting it on those different facings and how it will be interpreted. Just as each individual who lived at Mesa Verde and throughout the region is unique, and just as their descendants at Hopi, Zuni, and the 19 Pueblos are unique and diverse, there are likely many reasons that the ancestral Pueblo people created rock art images and designs on the landscape. And just as we can't ever know exactly why these people decided to build their homes and villages in the alcoves, we can't know why certain designs were created in particular locations, or what meanings they may have carried. We do know, from the oral histories of their descendants, that these images are more than just art for the sake of art, or just an artistic representation of the world around them. I think that all Native people believe that images have the power to affect nature, and the art is real and can make things happen. It can provide protection and can provide healing, and it can tell it can tell a story. There are symbols that, that are used and for representation. There are symbols that may only be used for sacred ceremonies and or for the religious um, societies throughout Mesa Verde. Let's look first at pictographs. One example can be found in Balcony House, located on Chapin Mesa. In the southern portion of this village, high up on the back wall, there's a handprint. And there are two interesting things about this particular handprint. One, it was created not by someone covering their hand in paint and pressing it against the stone, but instead it was created by someone placing their hand on the rock wall and then using a tool like a straw to blow paint over the top of their hand so that when they took their hand away, the outline of their fingers and palm would remain. And the second interesting thing about this handprint is it has six fingers. Looking at this handprint today, it can appear sort of strangely placed. It's high up on the stone wall of the alcove, impossible to reach without a ladder. But remember what Ranger Jill Blumenthal told us in episode three of this season. One benefit of moving down into the alcoves is that part of your building was already there. There was once a block of rooms in this space, and you can actually see the outlines of where the mortar once held the walls to the alcove roof. So this handprint wasn't exactly precariously painted high up on the wall. It's more likely it was painted on the inside of someone's home, perhaps a bedroom or a storage room. I asked TJ why she thought someone might have created this handprint pictograph. I just think it was a, a way of saying I was here. Think of when you were in preschool or in kindergarten. What was the first thing you did for your parents was make a handprint in Plaster of Paris that your parents have forever. You know, that's how I look at those handprints. And the only thing that was, was of significance to them or meant something to them was their handprint a perfect identity 
you know, for that that particular person. I also wondered what TJ thought about this handprint in Balcony House having six fingers. Although this trait may stand out as unusual to visitors today, it's not uncommon to find handprint pictographs across the Mesa Verde region that have variations from the average five fingers. I think because that that person, that individual was, was unique in that had that extra finger, or maybe they didn't have a thumb, or maybe they didn't have the tip of one of their fingers, but was encouraged to put their handprint there to let them know that this individual was here. According to TJ's interpretation, perhaps individuals who had unique traits were looked at as special and revered for their differences. If you think back to the Two-Spirit episode from season two, it is common in the descendant communities to honor those with special traits. I think that's a reasonable explanation. And then those of us who are seeing it for the first time, think of all the comments that have been made. Think of the, the communication. Think of the, you know, the talking it has created just by that one handprint. So it, it creates a little cycle going there. So maybe that's why it was put there. Again, the six-fingered person was there and left their fingerprints. Handprints are very common pictographs across the Mesa Verde region. A series of handprints can be found in Longhouse, grouped together in the eastern part of this village, and down in the valleys below Mesa Verde as well. One in particular is located at Painted Hand Pueblo in Canyons of the Ancients National Monument. And whether it had any sacred, significant symbolism? Maybe not. Maybe it was just a, I was here. While pictographs may be harder to spot during a visit to Mesa Verde, it's likely that you'll find a petroglyph out on the landscape. Some of the most common imagery you'll find in petroglyphs are A lot of the rock art has displays of human figures, handprints, animal tracks, spirals, concentric circles. Um, there's some that have animals like bighorn sheep, wavy lines, which could mean snakes or symbol for lightning. There's hunting scenes. And I think the most um, famous of rock art caricatures is the famous humpback flute player known as Coco Pelli. And he's been seen all over. And again, I asked TJ why she thought the ancient people of Mesa Verde left these various symbols and designs on the landscape. It's a means of um, storytelling. It's a means of sharing the symbolism, another form of communication amongst the people, especially on a trail. It could be symbolism for a warning. It could be symbolism for looking out for things or being aware, or it could just be a sign, say, be safe and enjoy your journey. And as we've said throughout this season, the people of Mesa Verde were diverse, and their descendants in Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas are diverse today. TJ is Laguna Pueblo, and Laguna is located in New Mexico. If you've listened to episode one of this season, you'll remember the voice of Stuart. My name is Stuart B. Coyamtua. My village is Opella, located on 3rd Mesa, Arizona. And Stuart is the program manager at the Hopi Cultural Preservation Office, which is one of the 200 Tribal Historic Preservation Offices that work with the National Park Service. And in episode one, Stuart shared some oral history about his clan at Hopi, 
So Hopi is comprised of an amalgam of clans that have come together to form this Hopi cultural system that we now live in. And we come to find that um, in the current Hopi area, there were already people living there as far as, you know, the 600s and probably even further back. Across the three mesas at Hopi, there are various clan groups that have different origins. There are actually two clan groups that make up the current cultural system at Hopi. Those people and clans that have come from the south, Balakwapi people, and those people that have come from the north. And Stuart belongs to one of the northern clan groups. The Badger clan, the Grey Badger clan. When Stuart was telling me about when the different clan groups were first arriving on the Hopi mesas, he mentioned perhaps one use or meaning for making petroglyphs. When these clan groups started migrating from Mesoamerica, those would be the southern clan groups, Balakwapi people, there were already occupants within our own homeland at Hopi. And the people who were already living in this area were well accustomed to the landscape and to the ecosystem. And these people and clans that were migrating out of Mesoamerica were seeking guidance. They came upon the first person who had already been on that landscape. And he simply told them that I cannot be your leader. You simply have to go about and find your own footing and explore if you are going to able to sustain yourself in this environment. So he simply instructed them to go out and explore the landscape and to make evident of your exploration is to make your homes out of stone because stone doesn't wither away as does an adobe structure or a penthouse structure. So he simply instructed that when you build the village, build it out of stone. Uh, when you come across an escarpment, put your rock mar- markings such as petroglyphs on, onto the rock, so that will stand the test of time. One place in particular that you can find petroglyphs at Mesa Verde is at the halfway point on the looped petroglyph point trail in Spruce Canyon, just below the Chapin Mesa Archaeological Museum. I asked TJ if she could provide any insight as to what she thought the symbols on the petroglyph point panel represent. And the information she shared was similar to what Stuart shared. The images that are at the petroglyph panel at Mesa Verde, when I look at that, it makes me think of two separate clans. And this is my interpretation, that you have the mountain sheep symbol there, and you also have the eagle symbol. So to me, that signifies two different clans, two separate clans with their own responsibilities, their own duties, their own responsibilities to the people. And it's separating them to give individuality as a group, but yet they are still part of the community. And they can always return to that specific spot to kind of recenter, kind of to regroup and know this is where they came from. So that's how I interpret that particular sign on the petroglyph panel. This practice of using rock art to indicate sacred spaces is something that is still in use at Laguna today. I'm thinking of 
places at Laguna that are that are sacred and that are clan specific, there are those symbols related to that particular religious society, I guess you would call it, and clan, so that in areas around Laguna, when you go to this particular place by looking at what's what is already there, you know that is specific to the say the Sun Clan. Or you go to another place and this is specific to the Badger Clan. Or if you have like little totems and effigies that are left at another certain place, that is for the Kiva leaders and religious people to go only and that's forbidden for anyone else to go. So again, a, another form another form of communication. And once you know what that symbol stands and our means for, then you're able to read, quote, those signs and know what that, know, know what that meant. Those symbols, whatever they may represent to those people at that time, were put there for a specific reason. The images and designs found in rock art were meant specifically for the individuals who made them, other people in their communities and neighboring communities who were familiar with their meanings and their descendants today. In some villages at Mesa Verde, such as Balcony House, and other ancestral Pueblo villages, such as those at Chaco, Hovenweep, and Edge of the Cedars, there are pecked markings that correspond with solar and lunar alignments, which may indicate that some petroglyphs were made for ceremonial or religious purposes. They could be prayers to some, they could mark a trail, or be meant to illustrate which clan groups occupy a given space. And in the same way that the cliff dwellings and the ancient villages of the ancestral Pueblo people are still considered alive and occupied today, these places where petroglyphs and pictographs mark the landscape are considered special places and should be visited with respect. When people go to see those, or they're specifically looking for places to see rock art and petroglyphs, that they'll still be respectful, that they'll still enter it quietly, that they'll still appreciate that and not try to do damage to it, do not try to take anything away from there, do not disfigure it to do their own graffiti thing or put their mark on there because then that's changing the whole spiritual significance and dynamic of why that was put there in the first place. The Petroglyph Point Trail at Mesa Verde is one of the most common trails in the park, leading hikers through the peaceful Spruce Canyon out to that ancient petroglyph panel we've been talking about. You could think of this trail and this canyon as the front door to Spruce Treehouse itself. And just as it is so important to keep from causing any damage to the cliff dwellings of Mesa Verde, it is important to protect these ancient trails as well. And you know from experience of being up at the park, that we've had we've had damage you know to sites we've had outright vandalism we've had you know graffiti we've had just unbelievable things that people have come into the park and destroyed for whatever reason while it may be tempting to look at rock art and think of it as a place for anyone to leave their mark Remember that these places have special meanings for their descendants who continue to make pilgrimages to these places to walk where their ancestors walk.
they have no idea what that does to the heart and souls of the people who come there to, you know, to make pilgrimages to those, some of those specific sites. Please don't touch. Please don't destroy. Please don't leave your mark. Do not scratch. Do not engrave. Do not spray. Do not paint these ancient sites. It's just so disrespectful. And it would be like going into your own personal home and, oh, that's a cool painting, but I don't like that. So I'm going to scratch it out or I'm going to put my initials, my initials on this. So it'll be there forever. Because again, this is our home. It is a living it's a living thing. Mesa Verde Voices is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. It is created in collaboration with Mesa Verde National Park and funded by the Mesa Verde Museum Association with a matching grant from the National Park Service. Our show is produced and edited by me, Kayla Woodward, and our music is by David Morella. Whether you're currently visiting Mesa Verde National Park, plan to visit, or simply want to learn more about this special place, check out the Mesa Top Loop audio tour, put together by Mesa Verde National Park, to hear more about the different periods of life on the landscape of Mesa Verde. Download or stream this multi-part tour now on Apple Podcasts, or visit nps.gov forward slash M-E-V-E to find a transcript. And you can also find that link on our website, mesaverdevoices.org, as well as links to additional resources from this episode. Special thanks to Jonathan Till, Scott Ortman, Spencer Burke, and Petroglyph National Monument for your help and research for this episode. And thank you to TJ Atsi and Stuart B. Koyamtiwa for sharing your stories with us. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And while you're there, leave us a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. <laughs>